Tamura is an average Japanese salaryman working in the offices of a pickle distribution company. He is well-liked in the office, hard-working, polite, wears a suit and tie, and also happens to be a six-foot-tall koala bear. But when his girlfriend Yoko turns up dead one day and Tamura is the chief suspect, he is forced to enlist the help of his boss, a white rabbit, and a friendly convenience store attendant, a frog, in order to prove his innocence. A psychological thriller wrapped up in the packaging of a nonsense comedy with giant animals. Executive Koala is like nothing America has ever produced. Which is why it was made in Japan. I'm Corey. And I'm Paul. And we are the The B-Movie Bros. So, welcome to the fourth and final week of Asian Culture Month, and this week we bring you the 2006 Japanese film Executive Koala. What you just heard, of course, was the back of the DVD box. Let's get into our technical difficulties here. Top three and bottom three. How about we start with the bottom three? I'm cool with it. All right, I'll go first here. Number three. When the red eye effect is used, when Tamora the koala goes crazy, his eyes glow red, and they blink. But they don't blink in sync. Like, one will blink, like, three or four times while the other one is completely black, and then that one will blink. And then they'll, like, blink alternatively, and then one will blink a bunch of times, and the other one won't. And it just bugs the shit out of me. Number two. This movie seemed like it would be a cheesy made-for-TV movie, like something on the Lifetime Network. An abusive husband blindly murders women because, you know, sexism. Why not? Exactly. Story was just kind of subpar. Some of the things just didn't seem to work, and others, it was just kind of like the cheapest way to do it. And number one for me, the, the worst thing about this movie, is that for the most part, this movie is actually a serious drama, which totally caught me by surprise but it degrades itself by trying to become a comedy and a slasher flick for no reason at different parts of the movie it just decides oh we're going to switch genres and then after that scene we're going to go back to the way it was why because we don't give a shit it's a fucking koala for my bottom three i'm going to put not enough frog The frog was basically there just embellish how absurd the world that this movie took place in was, but damn it, I loved the frog. I just couldn't help it. Every time he was on screen, I couldn't help but laugh. Every time he talked, like, there was just a slight flap where, like, with the mask, and it was just absolutely hilarious. His face was just like this giant piece of rubber. Pretty much. It was awesome. For number two, I'm not 100% sure that everything that was comical in it was meant to be comical. I mean, I left almost throughout the entire movie just at all the absurdities, things going on, like the cheapness of it. But there is a slight chance that it was just happenstance and they didn't do it, do all of it deliberately. I don't think that's true, but I, I don't like giving things credit that it doesn't deserve. I think this one does, but I had to mention that. And number one was... There really wasn't any memorable dialogue throughout the movie. Now, this really wasn't a movie that was supposed to have, like, really, really funny lines. It was more just a a ridiculous concept, and the individual aspects of it didn't really, weren't supposed to be the entertaining part. But I really like quoting movies, and this one didn't really give me anything to work with, personally. I, I can understand all that. So let's uh, jump right over to our top three here. Top three for me, number three. 
we've got the musical number in the trial. It, it just pops out of nowhere. Like we've got this serious bit, and then all of a sudden it goes. The screen goes black, and Detective Woody Invincible pops up, and he's standing there, and he presents this case to the judge, and he's like, "Now listen to our testimony." And these random Japanese people just start singing about the koala's childhood and how terrible of a person he is. And it's just ridiculous and hilarious, and it's actually probably the best dialogue in the movie. It was pretty great. Number two. The emotional articulation that they have for the koala. There are two facial features, two facial expressions that it's able to give. And that's complacent and silly. He either looks like he doesn't care or he's got his tongue stuck out and his eyebrows are way high in the in the sky. And the actor who's in the suit is able to move his body and use his body language in addition to those two facial features to really show the emotions and what Tamora's going through. Because Tamora's actually a very emotional character. You know, he's dealing with depression. You know, he is happy at times. He's got things flying at him out of nowhere. And his reactions and how he portrays that using just those two facial expressions is kind of amazing to me. And number one, the best thing about this movie was not really this movie in particular, but the fact that the final fight scene in this movie makes me think of Ready to Rumble for the Sega Dreamcast. And it's just because of how the characters are moving when they're fighting and the music that they're playing. I was just like, oh my god, it's it's Ready to Rumble. And the, the final fight scene is actually pretty entertaining. It's fun. It's got decent choreography at the least. And it throws a couple curveballs at you. A little bit. So what do you have to say? For number three, I'm actually going to say I loved the cheap effects of this movie. The koala suit, like, just looked completely unrealistic. The really poorly done flapping of the mouth. Uh, The frog was the same way. The rabbit really... I don't even know if its mouth moved at all. It was just a mask. And it was just awesome. Like, every time, like, the movie seemed serious you just look at that and you, rem- and you remember that the main character is a guy in a cheap koala suit and there's a rabbit as his boss and there's a frog that works at the shop and it just kept you from ever taking anything seriously and it constantly reminded you that you're kind of viewing something that's not meant to be taken seriously and i really like that about it for number two i'm gonna have to go with just all the nonsense nonsensical um occurrences um just this was clearly low budget and they really kind of made fun of that it just kind of like parodied cheap movies in general like everything that was ridiculous about it was just magnified by the fact this is in a world where all this like you don't you don't know what the rules of this world are and it was just really fun to watch um and for number one i'm gonna go have to go with the fact that everyone is aware that keichi is a giant talking koala yet no one finds it strange at all, and it was very reminiscent re- reminiscent of the Muppets, and that made me happy because I'm a huge Muppets fan. So, well, actually, there is one scene in the movie where this girl walks into the shop whenever Koala and Frog are both there, 
And she just stops and looks at the koala. And she goes, a koala? And then she looks at the frog and goes, a frog? It was great. And she's like, what? And then the camera just like pans away from her. It's one of those kind of silly moments. But like there are so many times where uh, Tamora the koala is walking through the streets of Japan. And nobody questions this. It's great. It's like, um, it always, one of the things I always really liked about the Muppets was the fact that not only, you didn't just have, like, the puppets and then the people, like, you'd have a group of puppets and then you have, like, a group of kids or something and one of them would be, like, a, will be, like, a bear or something and it's just, it's so casual. It's just how their world works and I love seeing movies that have, like, different rules to how things work and I've always been really, like, intrigued by that and this movie just seemed to do that really well for me. Kind of like Sesame Street. Exactly. This is the point in the show where we normally do quote wars. And I'm just not feeling it here. Like Paul said, the lines in this movie really aren't that memorable. They weren't meant to be outlandish or silly. This was more of a serious movie. So I I just don't care. So Paul, if there, fuck it. If there's anything, any quotes you want to say, go ahead. I don't give a shit. Just go for it. The only thing, Cora, I have to say to that is life isn't always black and white. Sometimes it's gray, like a koala. Something to think about. What would you rate this movie on the shot scale, Corey? Um, on our shot scale, which, uh, again, is a reverse scale of 1 to 10, 1 being the best, 10 being the worst, how many shots do you need to get through this movie? I would give this movie a 5 out of 10. I'm going to give this a 1 out of 10, to be honest. I, I guess I'll go first. I'll let you know why I give it a different score than you. Now, don't get me wrong, this is by no means a bad movie, but it reeks of mediocrity. It's like someone wrote the most generic, amnesiatic killer husband movie they could think of, and decided they could spice it up by making the main character a giant koala. This movie doesn't even have that many other people-like animals in it. There's the koala, the rabbit, and the frog. At one point, they even had the joke about you know the woman walking into the frog shop and commenting on there being a frog and koala there. It tries to be a serious drama, but decides that it needs comedic and horror breaks to keep the audience interested. It works, and what helps this is the overacting of the main character, Tamora the koala. He's able to make the giant animal seem like it could be a real person, not just some silly concept with unrealistic intentions. The drama may be a bit blah, but the comedic and horror aspects of this movie are spot on. I could watch this movie over and over for the 15 to 20 minutes of pure entertainment that it holds, but the other 65 minutes just don't seem to be as strong. This is why I give it a 5 out of 10. The movie falls short where it focuses, but it does make up for its shortcomings where it goes off the rails. If you want a drama that's a little different, or if you're into furries, this is a good movie to check out. I give it a 5 out of 10 not because it's bad, but to help you make it through the absurdity that is Executive Koala. I wonder if the furry uh, community has ever seen this movie, like if it's a movie that's really well-liked amongst um, people like that. I want to go to a good, like, Anthrocon dressed as um, Keiichi Tamora now and see if anybody gets it. That'd be pretty awesome. You might get some uh, some numbers there. Okay, so I absolutely loved ha- just how unbelievably ridiculous this film was and how every element of it just kind of came together for me. It was entertaining seeing how Keiichi's life and the world around him just 
steadily fell into anarchy and how easily everybody just kind of accept what was going on. It was like the creators, every time something went went haywire, they're like, by the way, the main character is a talking koala in a suit. This world is insane, so you have to accept everything that goes on. You're amused by it, you're like, what the fuck is going on? But you can't argue that it can't happen, because this is a world that, as I said, has no defined rules, and I absolutely love that. It's rare to see a film where the actual world itself is just so hilarious and so entertaining. Like, just seeing the frog, who really said virtually nothing, was just so hilarious, because it's like, what is going on? Like, what is this alternative Japan that I'm seeing? And it's very clear to me, at least, that the writers and the directors were pretty well versed in made-for-TV kind of movies and how they were able to turn this um, that whole genre on its head. Um, you often see parodies of like horror movies and action films, but how often do you see uh, parodies of throwaway films that most people change the channel for? I thought it was brilliantly done, and it gets my highest approval and recommendation. And there you have it. That's uh, Executive Koala. But if you have any comments on Executive Koala, if you have any questions on Executive Koala, if you have questions on another movie, any suggestions, whatever, you know, tweet us at bmoviebros. Find us on Facebook at our Facebook page, b-movie space b-r-o-s. That's bmoviebros. You know, I know not every person likes the same kind of shit that we do. So we like to throw in an A-movie companion after our review to tell you what a high-class maybe that's not the right kind of term, a big-budget production of the same kind of movie is. So we're going to tell you how an A-class movie is just the same movie as Executive Koala, dressed up to be a better movie. So I'll go first, as I've been going this whole time here. Total Recall from 1990. Why Total Recall? Well, it's pretty obvious if you've seen Executive Koala and Total Recall. Both movies focus on a character who can't seem to remember their past. Both main characters have something jumpstart their memory. One has a digital vacation. The other one's lover is murdered. Both main characters used to be a complete dick in their past life. Both main characters end up fighting their most recent lover in a battle seemingly to the death. In the end, both characters decide that they are now better people and would rather stay who they are now than going back to who they were before. For my A-movie companion, I'm going to go with the Alfred Hitchcock's 1960 film Psycho. It even had, like, cheap music. That was also awesome. Both films take place in pretty mundane settings. Uh, Psycho takes place in the Bates Motel, and Executive Koala takes place in, primarily in, the off- in an office building. Um, both places you normally wouldn't expect a murder, to, a murder to take place in. Both featured protagonists who were pretty soft-spoken, kind of shy, kind of, um, kind of standoffish, and it was really a cover for a much darker persona. They also ran businesses. Norman Bates ran the Bates Motel, and Keiichi ran, um, ran the Rabaros, um, pickle company. Both protagonists were also plagued by trauma from their past and really suffered from lapses in memory where during their lapses in memories, they committed horrible murders. Uh, Norman Bates um, was unable to cope with killing his mother and would then have times where he thought he was his mother and then went about killing people. 
spoilers alert. I don't really think I need spoilers, uh, spoiler alert for a 55-year-old movie, but anyways. And Keiichi was, um, burdened with this past, as a, his past of, uh, criminal activity that, um, he attempted to suppress, and he would often black out and, um, just kill people. And both characters received psychological help in some form. Psycho is just an A-movie version of Executive Koala. So there you have it, Total Recall and Psycho. If you would like to drink away the flick, drink away the flick, come on and grab your drink, let's drink away the flick. Here's how you can do it. Here are our drinking games for this week. Every time KG floats across the screen before committing a murder, take a drink. Every time KG's red eyes blink inconsistently or one of them fails to blink, take a drink. Every time the camera zooms onto Keiichi in a dramatic motion, take a drink. And every time the frog is on screen, take a drink. Every time there's a flashback sequence, take a drink. Every time they show blood splatter, take a drink. Every time Tamora's eyes glow red, take a drink. Whenever a dream sequence has just occurred, take a drink. Because it's Asian month, Anytime panties or bras are exposed, take away. Fuck! There aren't any of those in this movie. Uh, whenever something completely unexpected happens, just take a fucking drink. Anything else, Paul, before we sign off here? Yes, we didn't actually rate the movies yet. It's oh, the last week of Asian Culture Month. We, we wanted to, to rank them. them. Okay, so Paul, yes. how do you rank these four movies? It was number one, Executive Koala. Number two, Biozombie. Number three, Attack Girl Swim Team, and number four, Machine Girl. So, number one, Biozombie. Number two, Executive Koala. Number three, Machine Girl. And number four, Attack Girl Swim Team versus the Undead. The vagina laser just wasn't enough to bring it out of the bottom spot for me. As I say at the end of every week, until we meet again, be brave, be alive, be back next week and find us on twitter at bmoviebros all one word and on facebook at b-moviebros 